electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, the first new tax on corporations in a generation. Reduces the deficit and makes common sense reforms to our corporate tax code. President Biden and Democrats say it is high time for companies to pay a tax on buying back their own stock. And we speak to one billionaire investor who says shareholders have much to gain here. Mark Cuban. No one's a fan of more taxes. But of all the taxes you're trying to create, I think a tax on on buybacks is a good idea, actually. Plus, as the House gears up for a vote on the Inflation Reduction Act, we hear from one member who's not on board, Republican Representative French Hill. I go back to Warren Buffett's maxim about stock buybacks, that if you can buy dollars for 80 cents, isn't that in the fiduciary interest of all shareholders and a good decision by the board? It's Friday, August 12th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right after this. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. The U.S. House is in session today to begin consideration of the Inflation Reduction Act. The House will be in order. This sweeping climate, health care, and tax bill includes the first new corporate taxes in a generation, a 15% tax on large corporate profits, and a 1% excise tax on stock buybacks. Buybacks, companies purchasing shares of their own stock, surged as corporate America clawed its way out of the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's a fun fact. Buybacks were largely illegal, considered market manipulation, until the early 80s. But in the 12 months between June 2021 and June 2022, corporate buybacks totaled nearly a trillion dollars. That is according to S&P Global. This is about twice the amount companies have returned to shareholders in dividend payments. That's more than $540 billion. A tax on buybacks is an entirely new source of revenue for the government. And this new 1% could raise $74 billion over the next 10 years. That money could fund some of the Democrats' green initiatives in the Inflation Reduction Act, like credits to buy electric vehicles. 
Let's take a look at which corporate players are most affected, and turns out they're some of the largest and most valuable companies in the U.S. The biggest buyback monster of the last 12 months was Apple, repurchasing 90-plus billion dollars of its own stock. The others in the top three, tech mega caps like Google's parent Alphabet and Facebook's parent company Meta. So we know what a buyback is. We know what Democrats are hoping to do with the money gained from the 1% tax. But where did this idea come from? Well, when Joe Biden was running for president in 2020, he railed against buybacks. Why is it that we're in a situation where the studies show that uh, corporate America made several trillion dollars from 14, 2004, I think in 2014, a study done of the University of Massachusetts. What'd they do? They spent all 91% of it on stockholder buyback, on buying back their stock and stockholder dividends. 9% for everything else. What's going on here? We need to build back, not just to where we were, but build back better than we've ever been. The buyback excise tax was a relatively late addition to the massive Inflation Reduction Act in its dramatic journey through the U.S. Senate last week before it passed on a party-line vote. Democratic Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon and his Ohio colleague Sherrod Brown pitched a buyback tax a few months ago to offset all of the massive spending Democrats would need to achieve there and the president's domestic policy agenda. Good morning, Senator. Hello. And what is important about this agreement is this isn't nibbling at the edges. These are fundamental changes, long due. So the buyback tax, it's a big deal. And a lot of folks in the swamp on Wall Street and Twitter's virtual town square are all weighing in. Earlier this week on Squawk Box, anchor Andrew Ross Sorkin with Melissa Lee sitting in fielded an interesting mix of opinions. Andrew takes it from here. Billionaire Mark Cuban weighing in on the Inflation Reduction Act, tweeting, quote, while buybacks are everything wrong with what companies do, the decision to place a levy on them is the top of the list of bad taxes. Joining us now is Republican Congressman French Hill of Arkansas. He's a member of the Financial Services Committee and says the provision could be detrimental to business. Uh, good morning to you, Congressman. I should also say, if, you continue, if I were to continue on with those tweets, it's a little unclear what Mark Cuban really thinks, because at one point he says maybe the tax should be 2%. Well, it's good to be with you, Andrew. I think it's bad policy by the federal government to tax stock buybacks, because I think it hurts ordinary investors, and it pre preempts the board's fiduciary responsibility to measure growth and the use of capital to grow the company, and from time to time to take the advantage in a very effective way for shareholders to buy their stock back if it's significantly below their own calculated intrinsic value. This is smart uh, finance to do that, and this is the government mandating essentially that it not be done by placing an excise tax on it. And I think it's just wrong for the government to do that. But this is a Bernie Sanders idea that's found its way into the Biden agenda and also into the SEC's agenda as they have a rulemaking to try to make it more difficult to do stock buybacks as well. Well, Congressman, I want to dig in on buybacks in one second, but it's, it's worth putting some context around this, that this became effectively a replacement, if you will, to raise revenue for the fact that there was a provision that would have closed what we all have talked about on this show many times as the carried interest loophole. Would have you been in favor of closing that? 
You know, I wouldn't have been because I do think under the right circumstances that carried interest, if it's done properly, should receive uh, capital gains type treatment. But I hear you and I think you asked the right question. You've gone from a potential democratic idea to raise revenue uh, from uh, the proponents and institutional shareholders uh, related to private equity transactions and instead imposed a tax on labor union pension plans and 401k participants, everyone who invests in the market, who has a board of directors alert to ways to improve their long-term return without damaging growth when their stock price is out of line with where it should be properly valued. Congressman, let me ask you this as a policy question. I think there's a fair argument to be made that over the years, if you were to look at buybacks broadly, uh, they have been an overused tool that has been in some cases used to uh, goose compensation. Uh, uh, they've been used in, in context to goose stock prices. It, it hasn't worked. I mean, there's been a lot of wasted money over the years, buybacks, if you were to look at the total uh, use case of them. The question, therefore, is, is there anything from a policy perspective that should be done uh, to try to limit them at all? Well, Andrew, you, again, you ask a good question, but I go back to uh, uh, Warren Buffett's maxim about stock buybacks, that if you can buy dollars for 80 cents, isn't that in the fiduciary interest of all shareholders and a good decision by the board, which is not to say that if uh, management shouldn't be warned, that if they imprudently buy stock back, paying too much of a price, they destroy capital, they destroy the growth prospects for the company, and they ought to be punished by the analysts, the owners, uh, and the broad shareholder base of that company. Congressman, so I, think I don't disagree with you, but, but, but I think the issue is that we have effectively incentivized buybacks and effectively disincentivized dividending out shares, uh, for, uh, dividend, dividending out shares uh, to uh, investors, for example. So right now, a dividend is disincentived on a relative basis to a buyback. I don't know if you think they're, they're comparable at all. Well, look, companies, we've, we've, we've authorized buybacks more broadly since about 1982, and the return to shareholders over that time between dividends and cash buybacks has basically stayed in the same range. Companies have to decide within their industry uh, and within their shareholder competitive environment what's better, uh, a growing long-term dividend or occasionally using uh, stock buybacks when their stock price indicates that it should be used. It's not a routine thing uh, unless the company is perpetually undervalued to that intrinsic value. I still think, uh, despite the tax disadvantage of dividends, that long-term dividend performance is something that's valued by shareholders, certainly by income investors, uh, and therefore they both are very good capital a return mechanisms for shareholders and shareholders benefit small and large. I think that investors have seen through attempts to use buybacks as a financial engineering and they embed discounts to those particular stocks. I'm with you on, on many points, Congressman, but we were talking to Congressman Ro Khanna yesterday who represents Silicon Valley and I asked him specifically if some of his major constituents, corporations uh, in and around his district, like the Apples, the huge stock uh, big, biggest purchasers of their own shares have complained to him about this proposed 1% tax, and he said he hasn't heard anything. I haven't spoken to them on this issue, but I've spoken to them all the time on other issues, and the fact, uh, frankly, that I haven't heard from them uh, on this issue suggests to me that they're fine with it. 
this doesn't prohibit companies from buying back shares. This just makes it a little bit more, a little bit grittier <laughs> to buy back shares. So what's the, what's the real issue here? You know, it, at the end of the day, companies can still do that. And if there is true value in buying back their shares, paying a 1% tax, shouldn't really make that much of a difference. Well, Melissa, you raise a good point. Of course, you're talking about one of the richest, uh, most profitable companies in the world that has been doing it. But two comments. Uh, one, back on Andrew's point, if you look at academic studies uh, done back in 2019 after a record year of stock buybacks in 2018, they didn't find any difference between companies that had compensation plans tied to uh, performance or not, that it really was not uh, measurably different, not materially different in the stock buyback plans. But look, just because you can tax something doesn't make it good economic policy. So if Apple says, well, we don't care, it's just a, a little bit of grit, as you say, in the gears, a lot of grit in the gear damages capital formation. And I don't believe this capital allocation decision is the government's. And they are through this SEC rulemaking proposal and this tax trying to send a macro government signal from the federal government, Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders lead proponents that these are bad and somehow they hurt shareholders, hurt capital formation and hurt the American economy. And I just don't think the evidence uh, supports that. Hey, Congressman, final question from me. And it goes back to the carried interest piece, because it sounds like you are in favor of continuing uh, to have a carried interest treatment. Um, why are you in favor of it? And I ask because I understand uh, the rationale for a, a capital gains tax. I know there's a debate about whether there should be a capital gains tax unto itself, we should, whether we should incentivize capital. But in this case, we're talking about individuals who are not contributing their own capital. So we are taxing effectively their fees, their income at capital income rates, uh, uh, capital gains rates. And we have incentivized people at the highest end in a way that we don't for anybody else, including yourself, myself, and all of all of labor across the country, but we've decided this one particular industry should be incentivized differently. Why? Well, Andrew, uh, my view is, look, if somebody wanted to reform the definitions in and around on how the carried interest tax treatment uh, is could be reformed without throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I'd be happy to look at that. But the bottom line is, this is risk capital in putting out uh, large capital investment. And now we have over 15,000 businesses that are privately held that are employing millions of people. So I think it would be very disruptive to that part of our capital system. But I'm always willing to I understand that I would just, uh, we should talk more about it. I would just say it's, yes, we should keep that risk capital in the system. It's not the, it's the, the risk though is not at the expense of the individuals who are managing that money. It's the pension money and everybody else's money that's actually at risk. And that's why there's a debate over this very issue. Congressman Frenshaw, uh, we appreciate, appreciate you being here Thanks, this morning. Andrew. Thank you. Now, as you heard, our ongoing conversation about the stock buybacks portion of the Inflation Reduction Act was kicked into high gear with Mark Cuban's tweets. And he's got our number, literally. Wouldn't you know it, the Dallas Mavericks owner, billionaire investor, and entrepreneur called us shortly after that interview with Representative French Hill to set the record straight. Melissa Lee and Andrew Ross Sorkin were on hand to answer his call. Andrew, we do want to go to Mark Cuban, uh, who- On the phone. Had, yes, on the, who joined us on the phone. Uh, and Mark, you, you tweeted about the IRA and specifically the, the tax on stock buybacks. And you said, in, you said, this is a terrible idea, first of all. But you said, why not make it 2%? What's your what's your general point here? No, I'm all for I'm all for attacks on buybacks, right? I think people misunderstand 
the value of buybacks, and I think people think they're a better tax advantage option than dividends, and that's no longer the case. You know, if somebody holds the uh, stock for, what is it, more than 60 days prior to the ex-dividend date, it's taxed as long-term capital gains. And if you happen to be a shareholder that is below a specific income level, I think it's 75000 per head of household, then it's tax-free. And so the old concept of tax buybacks or more dividend advantaged really doesn't apply to, to most shareholders. And so I think dividends become a better way of putting money in your shareholders' pockets, particularly the shareholders that commit to you. So, Mark, you know, you, you made sort of a joke on Twitter about raising it to 2%, and I was a little confused. I was trying to understand, was that a joke or what was that? Is there no, any no, no, policy? Serious. No, no. When I said it was the best of the worst, meaning, I'm, you know, no one's a fan of more taxes. But of all the taxes you're trying to create, I think a tax on, ba- on buybacks is a good idea, actually. So you guys misunderstood what, what my point was. I, I don't have a problem with buybacks at all. In fact, I think it's a good idea. So you, you think it is... I, uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding this. You think it is a good idea to have the tax on the yeah. buyback. The question yeah. uh, that I would ask is, do you prefer that over the uh, the carried interest loophole? Meaning that's what effectively totally replaced it. Yeah, totally, yeah. No, that's a non sequitur. They're not, they're, they're not mutually exclusive, right? You know, I'm not an expert on carry tax, so I, I'm not really going to comment there. But I think companies with, have to make decisions, public companies in particular, have to make decisions between tax buybacks and, and um, share buybacks, rather, and dividends. And a lot of companies seem to believe that um, the old no- notion that share buybacks were more tax advantage for shareholders, that is just not the case any longer. And the reality is, for share buybacks, you, you reward the people who are leaving and selling your stock instead of rewarding the people who are keeping your stock. What do you make of the argument that now a lot of companies may try to do a lot of buybacks before the end of this year to sort of capture that without the tax, and that it may change the way executives are compensated insofar as executives may try to take more cash, in part because they can't actually buy back stock both to push up the stock, but also to prevent dilution. I think it's great that they try to do it all, you know, that executives pay themselves more in cash and less in equity, right? But that goes to the whole skin in the game thing, right? Don't people want skin in the game? Don't we want them to have skin in the game? Yeah, what's more skin in the game than the cash coming from your balance sheet? Well, some people would argue the stock stock aligns you with the the shareholder. I mean, that's those those who are against taxi buybacks would make that argument. Yeah, the problem is that it's really easy to financial financial engineer with stock buybacks. Right. There's just so many games that you can play and it just creates a whole different set of problems. I think the fundamental issue is, do you want to reward your shareholders for staying via dividends? And now, given the tax consequences, you know, it's for many, the worst case, if you if it's a long term shareholder, their worst case is a 20 percent long term capital gains. Their best case, particularly if they're lower income shareholders, is zero tax. And wouldn't you want more wouldn't you want more people who are typically not shareholders to come in and own the shares of your stock? So if there's somebody out there making fifty thousand dollars a year, now you can say to them, look, we're gonna start paying dividends, own our stock. This is a reward for you. And guess what? If you're making under fifty two thousand dollars a year, I think it is as an individual, then it's going to be tax free if you hold our shares. That's pretty darn good. And I think that changes how people look at shares. Mark Cuban, uh, it is a longer conversation. We're grateful that you were able to call in this morning. I hope we can continue it. I uh, want to thank you. and I also want to thank Melissa. 
That is Squawk Pod for today and for this week. Thank you for being here. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the best of Squawk Box, the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show, right into your ears, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen. And hey, would you be so kind, please rate or review Squawk Pod if you listen on Apple Podcasts. You can do it right on your phone. Click on the stars, maybe five of them, or write us a few lines. That helps other listeners discover this podcast. We will meet you right back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.